Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We're finishing our Vision Builder series today. We are vision builders. You know, we do a series where we talk about money, which everyone loves. I love it when we talk about money. We do it once a year because God cares about what we do with our money. He really does. And when we decide to follow Jesus, he asks us to fully follow him. All of us, including our finances. It's not just you can have all of me except that. It's all of us. So this morning is what I'm calling a crossover message. We're finishing our Vision Builder series and next week we're starting a new series all about faith and dreaming because the Christian life is lived by faith and we are dying if we don't have a dream. This morning I want to talk about how much faith is involved in our giving. So much of what we do in our Christian walk is about growing our faith. In fact, everything. (laughs) We walk by faith, we live by faith, God responds to faith, and when it comes to money and giving, God is primarily interested in growing our faith, not getting our money. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says this, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, sorry, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Paul was talking to the the church in Corinth and he commended them for their excellence in faith for their excellence in knowledge, for their enthusiasm, for their love. But he challenged them to excel in the gracious act of giving also. There is a grace we grow into as we give because giving is God's way and it makes us more like him. Luke 6.38 says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. The scripture is saying that the measure we use will be measured back to us and even more besides. It says running over. We will have an overflow in our lives as we give. Now our natural minds find that hard, true? Yeah, they find that, find that concept hard to believe, but I know it's true. This concept works in the natural and it works in the supernatural. Natural and supernatural, it's real and it's powerful and we're going to look at the natural side first because giving increases the measure of your life. It improves and it enlarges our life. I was reading in Acts this morning, as I, as I do in the morning, as I read the word, where Jesus said, it's more, you're more blessed to give than receive. 
In the financial area of your world, how big is your life? How influential, how powerful is your life? I want to look at some keys on how to increase the financial measure of our life. So we're going to look at the natural first. So take a tomato farmer. Anyone ever grown any tomatoes? Your son has, yes. This tomato farmer is making a living growing tomatoes. He plants the tomato plants and he waters them and eventually he has so many tomatoes. We had tomatoes this year because Nathan grew them. And there were so many tomatoes. I'm like, Nathan, did you have to plant that many? Like there were hundreds of them. So the farmer harvests them and, and he has boxes of tomatoes. And this is his livelihood. This is how he generates income for him and his family. And there are basically three things that he can do with the tomatoes once he's harvested them. And of those three things, one of them will improve and enlarge his life. So let's look at the things. Because there's a parallel in the requirement, in the demands on our income. So this farmer, he can sell the tomatoes and get stuff, things, clothes, furniture, a house, get all of those things with the money from selling the tomatoes. And at the end of the day, he would have less tomatoes than he had in the first place, and he'd have more things. He could eat some of the tomatoes, and he would, I'm sure. Bruschetta, don't you think? A bit of sourdough, toast it up, dice up some of those tomatoes, get some fresh basil, Get some fresh basil, beautiful. Tomatoes, she doesn't like tomatoes. Fresh basil, a bit of olive oil. Is anyone with me? Yes. Or he could get his Italian on even more. And he could, he could make up batches of tomato sauce to make with lasagna or spaghetti bolognese. Yeah, see, you're with me. He could make tomato chutney. He could make tomato chutney with a good steak sandwich, hey? What's better than that? Yes, amen. Um, <laughs> tomato sandwiches. He could consume from his livelihood, and he would. That's the consuming part of our lives. We eat or we use our money. In the end, we have nothing to show for it, but we've had fun and we've enjoyed ourselves. And that's part of living. It's good. God wants that. But then the third part is he keeps some seeds to plant. If he leaves this part out, he will have a wonderful time buying things and eating things. But in a couple of months, he'll have no tomatoes because he's sold some and he's eaten all the rest. But this farmer, he's smarter than that. He's thought ahead and he knows he needs to sustain his livelihood and in his preparation, he has already put aside a bunch of tomato seeds first that he's not going to eat and he's not going to sell. They're going to become seed for the next crop. And so he propagates the seeds and he plants those things and the cycle begins over and over again. The question is this, which one of those steps actually improves and enlarges this man's life? It's obvious, right? <clears throat> It all depends on what he sows when all the other stuff has been used up. 
It is the planted seed that produces the largeness of life and that increases his life. Most of us have a mentality that it's the things that we have that indicate the largeness of our life. The house, the car, the clothes, the labels. Not bad labels, like, you know, the important labels, whatever they are. And we can mentally define the scope of our life materially in things. But the largeness of our life has nothing to do with things and more to do with the sustaining of our life and the ongoing cycle to keep producing more and more. It's the sowing that sustains the cycle. If he doesn't sow the seed, he doesn't produce. And if we translate that to today, to our lives, which part of a person's finances enlarge their life? Which portion of our income has the potential to enlarge our life? We can do three things with our money, just like the farmer. We can get things with our money. The wish list. The washing machine breaks down. We need a new washing machine. A car. Does anyone not have a wish list? You've all got a wish list, right? Or we can use money, just living life, buy food, go on a holiday. In the end, we don't have anything to show for it, but we've had all these wonderful experiences, which is so important. The older I get, it's more about that than anything else. There's no financial increase to our life. It's the consuming part of our life. And the third part is we all have seed that we can plant. Our money doesn't literally have to be replanted into the ground, but it's important that we sow seed. The same thing that enlarges the farmer's capacity will enlarge ours. In other words, it relates to sowing some of our money. And this is what Jesus was talking about when I read that scripture in Luke. He was saying, if you give, if you sow, it will come back to you, an increased crop. He said, the measure that you use is important. It will impact your life. Like the farmer, we need to sow our best because our best will improve and enlarge our crop. So how do we sow? I have two points this morning. My first point is this. We sow first. 2 Corinthians 9 says, 9.10 says, For God is the one who provides Seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Isn't that interesting? There's a, an order there. He provides seed and then bread. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. We sow our seed first. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honour the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. This is how a lot of people run their financial world. Earn the money, enjoy the money, maybe overspend the money, lands us in debt, repay our debt from overspending, save for future needs once you're out of debt, and then if anything is left over, then we give some away. I'm here to tell you this morning that 
that is a sure way to mess up our financial world. God teaches us to manage our money by inverting the order. Once we've earned our money, he says, give, save, repay, then enjoy. Give, save, repay, then enjoy. Give to me first. The first of all your produce. He says, if you give to me first, the rest is blessed. Remember how I said that God is more interested in growing our faith than getting our money? Well, giving first and and faith are inseparable. Because it takes faith to give first. If you give first, humanly speaking, you don't know if you'll have enough. Do you? And God said, back in the Old Testament, he said, give me your first sheep. Give me your best. Give me before they had any more, but I don't know if I'll get any more, God. I'm here to tell you today, I don't think there's been a time in my life where I haven't actually done this. I haven't brought the tithe to God. Because when I was, however old I was when I started getting pocket money, my parents sat me down and they, and they said, this is, this is how money works in the kingdom of God. And so I always tithed my pocket money and then I got married at 18 to Paul. <laughs> I was still a child. And we have always tithed, always. And I can tell you, I can tell you that we have had nothing. We've had lack and we've had plenty. <laughs> but we've always tithed first, always. God says, give me the first 10% and watch what I do with the rest. Because God's blessing on 90% goes a lot further than that 10%. So first, when the uh, Israelites went into the promised land, God said, give me Jericho, that is the first battle, bring it to me. In fact, they devoted it to the Lord. So every time we get paid, we have the opportunity to bring God the first 10%. To set it apart as holy. To bring it as part of our worship to him. And if we do, he takes care of the rest. Remember how I said this law works in the natural? We talked about planting, we talked about farming. It also works in the supernatural and here's how it works. We can look at our finances and people look at their finances in two ways. They can look at it as a pie. Paul likes a good pie. Anyone like a good pie? I don't eat pies. But he does. And you cut up your pie and you take a bit of your pie away and then you have less, right? When it's gone, it's gone. Or you can look at your finances as a river. I believe when we allow God into our finances, we take ourselves into a supernatural realm where he has access, where we're in the river and it flows. It's where God lives. And it flows out of us, but it also blesses us on the way. (laughs) There are two seas that flow from the Jordan. There's the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is teeming with life. It has 27 species of fish, some found nowhere else in the world. Its shores are full of birds and lush with vegetation. The Dead Sea contains no life. 
It's toxic and it's bitter and they are both fed by the same river, the Jordan. How can two seas fed by a single source be so different? The Sea of Galilee receives water at one end and gives out water at the other. It's a flow. The Dead Sea receives water but it has no outlet. It keeps it all within itself. That's what finances can be like. It's a flow. Isaiah 55 verse 8, God says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Has anyone found that? (laughs) Nothing. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. A tithe simply means a tenth. We sow first. And as we bring that to God, he blesses the rest. And my my second point is this. The tithe belongs to God. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says this. Thus... All of the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Set aside the tithe for God. It is holy. It's not a gift that we give to him. I don't believe the tithe is a gift that we give to him. Because I believe it belongs to him. So we just give it back to him. As part of our worship to him. Exodus 23 says this, You shall bring the choice first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. If you, not, you need to notice that this verse says, and other verses that talk about tithing say the same thing. It says, you shall bring it. It doesn't say you shall give it. It says you shall bring it. Because you can't give what, be, what doesn't belong to you. You can only bring it back. And it's not mine. It belongs to him. I cannot not bring it back to God because it's his. Malachi says, will you rob God? You know, in the garden, God said, you can have everything. All of this, it's all yours, except for that. Don't touch that. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not yours. The tithe is not ours, it's God's. Some people will say to you, tithing was part of the law, we're under a new covenant. You're right, we're under a new covenant. We're not under the law, we are under grace. But Jesus himself said in Luke eleven forty two, you should tithe, yes. You should. But don't neglect. And then he went on and talked about other things. Do you know that grace requires more because it's about our heart? It's about our internal world. The law and religion is all about looking good on the outside. And that's what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. They were careful to look good on the outside, to be seen, to be doing the right thing. But grace says life flows out of what's going on inside you. Which is why 2 Corinthians 9 says that God loves a cheerful giver and we should be giving willingly or don't bother. You know, Abraham tithed. You can come up, guys. Abraham tithed to God long before Moses ever brought the law. He gave a tenth of his income to God long before the law was given. And when we bring our tithes to God, we walk in the footsteps 
of our father of the faith, Abraham. As we bring it back to him, he blesses the rest. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, I read it at the beginning of the service. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Part of our income is seed. And as we bring it back to him, he blesses the rest. He absolutely does. We've been talking about faith. We've been talking about giving. But it's God that first gave to us. It was he who first gave to us, he gave Jesus. He gave us his son. And we give to him because he did first give to us. He gave his son so that you and I could live in relationship with him. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.